Welcome to So Now What, a bi-weekly podcast of the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Join hosts Michelle Patnode, W3MVP, and Joe Karsha, NJ1Q, as they offer information, support, and encouragement for those starting their journey into the world of amateur radio. So Now What is brought to you by LDG Electronics. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners and related products for every amateur need. Check them out at ldgelectronics.com. Asking questions. That's how you get the advice and insight you need to go from a new license holder to ham radio veteran. And the first question is, so now what? Hey, podcast listeners. I'm Michelle Patno, W3MVP. Thanks for joining us for So Now What? a podcast for people who are relatively new to amateur radio and who are excited and curious to discover all that it has to offer. Here with me is co-host Joe Karsha and J1Q. Hi, Michelle, and welcome to all of our podcast listeners. Paul Bork, N1SFE, is the new contest manager at ARRL. Paul has been a licensed amateur radio operator since 1994. Paul had been what he describes as a casual contester, on and off for much of the last 25 years, first participating in the VHF-UHF contests while licensed as a technician, and later participating in the HF contests after he upgraded to general and extra. Paul, how would you like to help the future of amateur radio operators? Well, Michelle, I'd like to be able to introduce more newer hams to contesting and let them know that you don't really need a super powerhouse station to have fun in contests and and enjoy the hobby even more. So, Paul, let's, let's start with the basics. Can you give us an overview of what amateur radio contesting is all about? The general rule for all contests is to contact as many stations as possible using the authorized frequencies and modes during the contest period. Each contest has their own separate rules for what information is to be exchanged during the contest. For example, in the VHF-UHF contest, the exchange is to stations Maidenhead Grid Square, while in the ARRL November sweepstakes, the exchange is a bit more involved. The idea there is to be able to effectively communicate the required information when band conditions aren't the best or on a band crowded with lots of other stations. Paul, you mentioned Maidenhead Grid Square. Can you just briefly describe what a grid square actually is? Sure, Joe. The The planet has been divided into a system of, of, of a grid which measures one degree latitude by two degrees longitude, and they are defined by uh, two letters and two numbers. For example, the grid square at W1AW is FN, Fox November 31, and then you can go down to six digits or eight for some applications, and that basically will define your position on the planet. Okay, and we have information on our webpage that can further describe what a grid square happens to be. Right, so if you go over to www.arrl.org and search for grid squares, it'll point you in the right direction. And with any contest, you want to make sure you're familiar with the rules for the contest that you wish to participate in. You can visit our contest portal at contests dot arrl dot org for details and rules for all of the arrl sponsored contests so paul we recently had an episode on hurricane season with emergency communication how would contesting help someone wanting to participate that's a good question michelle (laughs) well taking part in contests also helps a newer operator hone his or her skills for operating in emergency situations where you might need to be able to effectively communicate critical information when conditions may be poor and time is of the essence. 
It's also a good skill to develop when you're trying to work that rare DX or log a new country on HF when the signal is poor or marginally good. Now, contesting isn't necessarily for everyone. You know, some hams don't like to do contests. If you like to sit back and chat with other hams, a contest isn't the time to do that. The contest exchanges are quick, and most of the diehard contesters aren't going to want to stop and, and rag chew. I'm a big fan of contesting, as well as getting on the air and just having conversations with fellow hams, and I think there's a time for each of those two activities. So, Paul, what's the best advice you would give newer hams on contesting? I think the most important thing for a newer operator, contester or not, is to listen. Listening is critical. Before you start transmitting, listen and get a feel for what exchange of information is needed and how the contester on the other end is operating. That's cool, Paul. I mean, clearly listening. For those of us in our listening audience who might have looked through some older publications, one of the pictures we often ran, and you remember this, Paul, <laughs> was the picture of the ear, of the human ear. And we would say this is your best tool for operating, and that's still true today. It's they have to listen. If you don't listen, you're not going to get the flow, the feel of what happens to be taking place in that contest. And, and that goes for not just for contesting. That also goes for operating in general. You know, if you're, you're working a DX pileup, that, that you have to listen to what the operator on the other end is, is, is saying and how he's working the stations to get a better feel for when you should transmit and, and what information he's looking for. Exactly. When we all start out as the newer amateur radar operators and we heard about contests, it's like, ooh, I'd like to get into that. But, you know, we, we just didn't exactly know what to do. And I think the biggest question that newer amateur radar operators have is, well, how can I compete in contests when I don't have a big, fancy home station? Uh, do I really need a lot of high-power equipment to participate in contests? That's a good question, Joe. So when I started out as a technician, I participated mainly in the VHF contests, mainly because that's the bands that I had the equipment for. I was able to make contest points by using my 5-watt 2-meter transceiver and either the mag, mag mount antenna on my car or a simple 3-element 2-meter Yagi. As I got more involved in the hobby, I was able to add more and more radios to my arsenal and thus adding more bands, but my VHF and above contesting was all conducted with a maximum of 50 watts and fairly simple antennas. And that was as a technician class operator. That's correct, So Joe. when you upgraded... When I upgraded to general and then to extra, I added a 100-watt HF and 6-meter radio and a couple of basic wire dipoles strung from the trees in my yard to get on HF bands. While I'm not a super contest station, I, I think I've been able to, to participate in contests and HF bands and have, have a whole lot of fun with just very simple antennas. And that's the point of it. I mean, yes, you can put up these massive arrays and work a lot of stations and so forth and know that you're going to participate in the contest and say, oh, yes, I'm going to work all these stations. But isn't the fun of putting up something rather simplistic and still being able to work a lot of these stations? I, I think that's one of the, the highlights of the contesting, even for a beginner amateur radio operator. And, and, and that's kind of one of the things that really interested me in radio to begin with, is that just the study of how far a signal can go and, you know, you, you know, just a little 100-watt signal, you think it's this tiny thing, but you can speak, you can talk around the world on 100 watts. 
So that's one of the things I really loved about radio that got me involved in ham radio is just to see how far my signal can go and the study of radio propagation. And it just, to this day, it still amazes me about how far I can make 100 watts go. Radio is magical in all its shapes and forms. We know some newer ham radio operators can be intimidated by getting on the air or participating in a contest. Paul, what advice would you give to new ham radio operators on getting over the intimidation factor? Don't be overwhelmed. Those bigger stations want to absolutely make a contact with you. You just might be that multiplier they've been searching for. A good piece of advice before you get on the air in any contest is be familiar with the rules for that particular contest. It will spell out what the contest objectives are and what exact information that it is you'll need to provide as part of the contest exchange. Every contest sponsor has their rules available on their website, so it would definitely be something that you'd want to look at before you decide to participate in a contest and make sure you know what you need to do for each contest. So, Paul, there's a lot of contesting. There's a lot of attitudes when it comes to contesting. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. But what attitude should a newer amateur operator, particularly one who might have a competitive streak, and we all do, contesters have a little bit of a competitive streak, bring into the contesting arena? I mean, is it possible for a new operator to even think about winning a contest? Well, to me, it's not really about competing with the more sophisticated stations, but it's, it's about having fun. And making contacts and just seeing how far I can communicate with my station. I always look at the score as a personal goal, as in let me see if I can do better than I did last year or you know, th things like that. As for winning, it's, well, it's like they say, you can't win if you don't play. You never know, and you won't know unless you submit a log for the contest. <laughs> Funny story is I actually received first place uh in Connecticut for an entry where I made 11 contacts in the contest and I actually got a certificate for winning that division in the contest with with having a score of 33 points. So again, I wasn't I'm not very competitive. I wasn't really in it to win it, but you can win and you don't know if you if you if you don't submit a log. And on that point, it's based upon the entry. And because we're comparing <laughs> our contest entries. I, I take great pride in, uh, what would be the word? Um, bragging. Okay. Is that a good word? Sure. Michelle, is that a good word? Bragging? Why not? Bragging <laughs> about taking Connecticut section in the ARL 160 meter contest, which is a CW only contest. And I took the section because I ran as a single op, low power, unassisted entry. And because I was the only entrant that actually made more contacts, I think only by maybe 10 or 12, than the other person who participated as a single op, low power, unassisted entry, that I won that category. So on, on your point, yes, if you make 11 contacts and if it's submitted properly, you can right, win, right. win uh, either an entry or the actual contest for your section. So, so yeah, it's really all about how you enter and which category you're entered in. And so you can win if you, you know, you might want to choose a category that not a lot of people compete in. Or if you're low power and you know, with some newer 
radios, you're, you have 100 watts, so you would be in a low-power category. Mm -hmm. So you would be competing in the field of low-power entrance and not with the stations running a kilowatt. Yes. So it gives you, as a lower-power station, a better chance of winning in your section than if you were trying to compete with all the higher-powered ones. And that's the goal, is to win that particular right. contest or that particular entry, or if you are just going in for that fun factor, that you just want to have a good time in this contest. And by the way, and you can probably talk about this a, a little bit more, all the contacts that you make in a contest, regardless of the contest, can be used towards various awards. Certainly. So if you're participating in a contest simply to make contacts with other states or other countries, they feed awards. I've used contest contacts for my Worked All States and for DXCC awards as well because they do count. As long as you sub submit the logs or get the QSL cards, they do count for other awards outside of the contest as well. And when I first got on HF, I one of the first contests I participated in was the ARL sweepstakes and phone. And I was specifically looking for states that I didn't have for my worked all states. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, not only did I enter into contest, but I was able to, to get some new states confirmed. So I've participated in field day as a technician. And as a technician, you don't need a station operator helping you out. Are there any other contests particularly coming up as well that you don't need a station operator for? And as a technician, you can just operate by yourself? That's a good question, Michelle. Uh, on As a technician, you have full privileges above 50 megahertz on, on any of the bands. Uh, on 10 meters, you have privileges on CW, RIDI, and data from 28 megahertz to 28.3, and sideband phone privileges from 28.3 to 28.5 megahertz. So on those bands, as a technician, you can operate unassisted. And when and on 10 meters in particular, when band conditions are good, 10 meters can be a lot of fun. And we, we should point out that even though they're only limited to 200 watts on 10 meters, at 50 megahertz and above, you can run 1,500 watts. You have full power full, capabilities. Full privileges. Yep. Full privileges at 50 megahertz and above. And they're probably thinking, yeah, but what if I don't have the power? That's okay, too. Um, let the antenna do the work. Sure. So what specifically makes 10 meters fun? When the band is open, you can get a lot of good DX on 10 meters. Uh, oh, so okay. Yes. Because right now we're kind of at the bottom of solar cycle 24, and 10 meters doesn't open up a lot. But, um, you know, people are going to be listening to it and say, geez, what, what activity is? Because the... The 10-meter contest takes place in December, and usually, depending upon propagation, the band isn't always open normally in the dead of winter, at least here in the northern hemisphere. So they may actually get a little discouraged because they won't hear a lot of activity. But like anything else, like on any band, if they don't call CQ, if they don't try to call CQ contest on 10 meters during the 10 meter contest, they may not realize that there are hams out there that are waiting for someone else to call CQ as well. And, and, and that's one of the great things about a contest is it does get a lot of people on the air calling CQ because if there's nobody on the air calling CQ, you're not going to know if that band's open or closed. And on Michelle's point about being a technician class operator, 
any VHF contest a technician class license operator can participate right. in. Right. Not yep. just ARLs. There's a, there is actually a whole bunch of them. Yes. When you look at the contest calendars, they're, they're VHF and UHF or VHF and above contests that uh, the newly licensed ham radio operator can participate in and uh, have a lot of fun. And we do have an ARRL-sponsored contest coming up, the September VHF contest, which is the weekend of September 14th and the 16th. So that's right around the corner. And that's uh, that was one of the very first contests I participated in. I, was, I, I used to get on those contests quite a bit. And you know, make quite a few contacts with very with again with very simple setups that didn't require a lot of equipment. And when you consider for six meters, if you want to be really really simple, and Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong because I probably forgot. <laughs> we often do that here. Uh, you can put up a simple six meter dipole, four feet something inches on either side, and get on six meters. Sure, uh, a multi element beam would be kind of awesome. But um, because everything is awesome when you're playing with these things, but uh, a simple six meter dipole would probably get you on the air. So, as a technician, besides operating on VHF or 10 meters, is there anything else that I could do? I mean, even on the lower bands? Well, technicians have CW privileges on 80, 40, and 15 meters on HF. But if you wanted to work phone, I'd suggest partnering up with a local ham who has a general or an extra license who who can can show you the ropes, not only show you the ropes, but also let, let you work the contest using their call sign. Just remember that you, you'll you be operating using their call sign and use the operator privileges that they have for their license. So there's, you, know, you need to keep that in mind. But the cool thing is that, yes, they're acting as the control operator for you, but you get to be yeah, there you, and get you, on the air using voice and you can do that throughout the entire contest as long as they're sitting right next to you. Okay, so when do you know whose call sign to use? So if you're with a station operator, you use their call sign, or if you're with a club, you use theirs, or at a station, or yours. How does this all work? How do you log this? Well, you mentioned club call signs. Club call signs have no operator privileges. So the club call sign is just a call sign for the club. So there would need to be somebody, if you wanted to work in the general portion of the band, there would have to be a general class control operator present while you're using that control sign. Again, the operator privileges go along with the actual, the, the license of the amateur, not the, not the club call sign. So club call signs hold no operator privileges whatsoever. So if you were at a friend's house working a, a contest and they were a general, you would use their call sign. And that would allow you to operate using the privileges that they have been granted. Right. And W1AW is in a similar fashion. We're listed as a club because technically based upon the type of station we are, we can't be the other two definitions of what a <laughs> of what an FCC license is. So we're listed as a club. So as I tell my visitors, anyone from a novice to an extra can come in and operate on those bands and modes granted by their license class. So right. when you're looking at W1AW in this example, it doesn't say license class extra. It just says club. And that's also similar to W1HQ, the station here next to the laboratory at Aero headquarters. And again, as you mentioned, Paul, any club station, they don't have privileges. Right. So 
you can also get in contact with a local ham club and inquire if they have a contest station as well. A lot of ham clubs do run a contest station and would be more than happy to have you come along and, and help uh, and participate in a contest with them. Awesome. Good to know. Thanks. And once and once you get once you get on HF, you'll get hooked. Yes, we all get hooked. Michelle got hooked, especially during field day. <laughs> I can tell you that when I decided to get my general, when I got on HF for the first time, I didn't know what it was missing, and I haven't looked back. And that's well, that's why I'm an extra now because once I once I once I got bitten by the HF bug, there was no turning back. I did I didn't know what I was missing. And that is all part of that fun factor. That, there's the fun factor right yes. there. So we, we kind of mentioned this earlier when we talked about entries into contests, possibly winning an entry or your category more specifically. And now a word from our sponsor. Check out LDG's new Balins and Ununs. The RU 9 to 1 Unun matches in-fed longwire antennas to coax. And the RU 1 to 1 choke helps keep RF out of your shack. All LDG Balins and Ununs are rated to 200 watts PEP and cover from 1 to 30 megahertz for all your HF matching needs. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing advanced quality products to the amateur market. Our focus is on anticipating our customers' needs and providing them with world-class support. Don't forget, LDG products carry a two-year warranty that is fully transferable when you sell it. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. LDG Electronics. Everywhere you look, there's an LDG. Welcome back to So Now What? So we know there are different brackets per contest, and every contest out there has different categories, different entries, and so on. And there's all sorts of things you can win. You can win a certificate. You could win a plaque. A plaque, yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool to have that hanging on your wall. So, Paul, in your vast experience as a contester, does a newer operator have a chance of winning a contest? It depends on which category you enter the contest in. Again, when I won first place in the Connecticut division for a VHF contest, I happened to be the only entrant in that category. And I got a certificate for that. There are several hams who were the only entrant in a specific category and won a plaque for either a low power operation. So it's you have to really kind of look at which category you want to enter in. Sometimes it'd be a category that's not as popular to the masses, maybe a single single band, QRP, or assisted or unassisted. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about how you categorize your entry and what could be the more beneficial for you if you really wanted to win. Now, I have another question um, after I ask that, but I want you to try to just briefly give a description on when we talk about assisted and non-assisted. Okay. What is that actually? We, we know about the power levels. We know about the classifications, sure. license class, and so on. But what is assisted or non-assisted? Well, in Certain contests prohibit assisted operation, but most have a category where there is assisted. And what assisted is looking to a DX cluster, which is a internet source of uh, DX spots, which in other words would be stationed in, in some location that's operating. It'll, it'll show you where there is somebody operating that you can, can then go make a contact with. 
when you're using that, that would be an assisted contact. Unassisted would be basically spinning the dial in the, in the band you want to operate in and listening and making contacts based on what you're hearing. And on that point, uh, what you're referring to is called search and pounce. Yes. Where you are searching and then you pounce on the station. And in terms of some of the other, uh, say, the web pages that list this information, right, right. one of them is, and again, as Michelle and I have often said, we don't promote anything here, but there is DX Summit. Right. That if I work somebody in a contest and I wanted to tell folks out there, oh, this station is on this frequency, I would post that information. Right. And people who are using DX Summit can see that and say, oh, this, this station happens to be on this frequency. I would like to work that station for the contest for the contact. And I can just quickly jump on them and search and pounce and right. get them. And, and occasionally you'll even see people posting spots for W1AW when there's a, a guest operator on yes. working a specific frequency. They'll say, hey, W1AW is on 14240. And... Then the, then the pile-up ensues. <laughs> the pile-up ensues, all right. That is for sure. Now, we, we did talk about ARL contests, like the ARL 10-meter contest, the uh, September VHF. But those can sound a little intimidating because they are supported and promoted by the organization. But for anyone out there that wants to get involved, they would like to, they would like to try to contest. But they're a little concerned about the, the level of activity and what is to be expected. There are just a wide assortment of smaller contests put on by local clubs, right. by other organizations, that there may not be a lot of activity associated with them in general, simply because, well, they're just not as promoted or they're not sure, as sure. well known. And those are the kind of contests that the newly licensed amateur radio operator, if they want to, should participate in because now there's not that um, that demand, right? That that intimidation that oh my gosh, there's going to be all these hams that are going to be working me. It might be a bit more laid back. It's and laid back a, a little little uh, give you a little more opportunity to get on there and feel comfortable with contesting. Yes, before jumping into a. Uh, a well, a major contest like, you know, one of the ARL ones or, or plenty of other ones. Right. And it could be very simple. And they could find that information online or even in QST, our monthly right, publication, right, either the electronic version or the printed. Yeah, you would want to check out in QST, there's the Contest Corral, which lists uh, not just ARL contests, but contests from all different sponsors. That's in every every month in QSD. There's the contest corral, so it's a good a good source for information on what contests are going on in the next month or so. So for newer ham radio operators, that might be a technician, or even you could still be new if you're a general or an extra. Really, um, can you make your first contact during a contest? There are no rules or anything that prohibits that. I, I probably myself would shy away from that, having your first CQ or your first QSO being during a contest. I think you'd want to become a little more comfortable with your equipment and develop your own operating style before jumping right into a contest. You know, get on the bands and make a few calls and, and get comfortable with operating first. Although, when I was working W1AW during this past field day, I had a station come back to me saying that it was their first HF contact. I think that working W1AW as their first contact on HF was probably very special to them. I, I know if it were if it were me, I would absolutely have been thrilled. 
I would would love to have my first HF QSL card come from W1AW. But again, I guess it all depends on what you're comfortable with. Cool. 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 And on that note, there's the First Contact Awards. Oh, or yes. Award. yes it's is. an award. It's it's one award. Sorry, Pete. It's it's one award. And and anyone can apply for that award. They can just go to our webpage, and the, Michelle will have the links up, and they can look up where they can apply for the First Contact Award. And um, Michelle, I believe you have a First Contact Award. I do. With us. Wow. So it's like... And for those of us who have making a few contacts over the years it's still special your very first contact regardless of band even if it's on two meters or hf it's it's a lot of fun it's that first contact and what do they got to do to do that they have to get on the air right it's all all, all about getting on the air all about getting on the air and not just during field day where we have the get on the air station it's right. actually just getting on the air so for all of you out there listening to So Now What, just keep calm and call CQ. Call CQ. That's how you make the contacts. As always, if you have a question and want a chance of it being answered on the show, send an email to sonowwhat at awrl.org or go to our webpage www.arrl.org forward slash sonowwhat and submit your question under the So Now What listener form. Don't forget to also rate and review So Now What. On whatever platform you're listening to us on, we love getting your questions, feedback, and suggestions. Until next time on So Now What? Hey, and thanks for joining us, Paul. You're welcome. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. 73. So Now What? is a production of the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, and is sponsored by LDG Electronics. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners and related products for every amateur need. Check them out at ldgelectronics.com. For more information on amateur radio or the ARRL, visit us on the web at www.arrl.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for ARRL. If you have a question or comment for Joe or Michelle, email us at sonowwhat at awrl.org or use the form on our website www.arrl.org forward slash so now what this program is copyright of the awrl and any unauthorized redistribution or rebroadcast is prohibited if you like what you've heard please subscribe to so now what at blueberry.com apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW, Administrative Manager of Radio Sport at the ARRL. Thanks for listening.